Hey, good morning. Good to see you online. Good to have you with us today. Overflow Coffee Shop up top. Hey, hope y'all are ready for a great service today. I'm not going to lie, when I first walked in, there was a little sense of like depression because we didn't have popcorn and Cokes. And I was like, where, where is, why aren't we doing this every Sunday? You know, like at least like a little spritz of popcorn smell would have made me feel a little bit better. Hey, I hope you're ready for a great day today. I'm excited about the month of August, but I wanna do something uh, that uh, I don't normally do right now. I wanna talk about kickoff Sunday in September. Um, A lot of y'all know that have been around Cornerstone for a while. We always, the second Sunday in September is a way to kick off the fall. We do a big service called Kickoff Sunday. We're actually going to encourage you to wear your favorite team colors. So whether uh, you're an Alabama Auburn fan or anyone else, whatever, uh, or any other kind of sports, you can wear your jerseys on that day. It's going to be a fun service. But we're going to do something a little bit different in September this year. Uh, as a matter of fact, as I was just praying um, this last year, kind of determining and deciding uh, series and things as we plan through the year, uh, there has been something that has uh, really been on my heart for the last couple of years, and I feel like this is the time to finally launch it out. And I'm, I'm sharing this with you now so you can begin to prepare for it, to let this sink through your heads, to let it marinate a little bit, and then to also use this opportunity to reach people that you think would never go to church, to reach people that you would say they would never, they would never step foot in a church. It could be family, it could be a coworker, it could be a neighbor. And so on kickoff Sunday this year, we're kicking off a brand new series called Church Sucks, but it doesn't have to. And I am telling you that I believe God is going to use this series uh, to reach so many people in our city, in our community. And so be praying about that. Now, obviously, I believe the church is the hope of the world. I believe God uses the church to reach people. And uh, I, there is a reason why seven out of 10 people in Etowah County don't go to church anywhere. So kickoff Sunday, it is happening. So tell your friends, they may never come to church, but if you tell them what the series is, they might go, hey, I might just check that out. Hey, we're going to do a a series for the next couple weeks called This Is What We Do. And this this one thought separates Cornerstone, I think, from many other types of churches. Uh, Many people just in general, I think, our church um, exemplifies this one quality. And this idea is generosity. And I want to say thank you so much. Uh, I am one of many people that live on Nakalula Mountain, and this past week was kind of crazy. We got a little bit of wind, all right? Um, And that wind knocked out so much stuff, and I got countless phone calls, text messages, uh, messages sent to me offering generators and to come up and cut trees down. And, And one of the things that, you know, Aaron and I were talking about was just how generous you all are in our church. So quick to step up and willing to help out. And had I said, hey, we had this need, I have no doubt in my mind you would have stepped up and met the occasion and do what was needed for not just myself, but anyone else in the church. So thank you so much for checking in on us. As a matter of fact, generosity is one of the values we have here at Cornerstone. We say it like this, we wanna give up what we love for things that we love more. So generosity is all about giving up what you love for things that you love more. 
And when you understand true generosity, it's more than uh, finances. When you understand what true generosity is, it unlocks a deeper level in your faith. It does something for you that nothing else in your spiritual walk can do for you in this idea of generosity. And most of us in this room, you're watching online, most Americans, as a matter of fact, think that we are generous people. But I've got to point out there's a difference in giving and generosity. There's two totally different things. True generosity centers your life around God. In other words, God is the most important thing. And so everything that we do centers from that. And then what we do from there is different than just giving. They say, uh, and you can look at the countless studies, you can fact check me on this, that the average American will give about 2.8% of what they make, 2.8%. And if you're a person here and you make, or your household makes over $100,000, that actually jumps down to 2.6%. As a matter of fact, most of us, are really not generous people. Uh, and I think some of that, there's a lot of things that go around that, but a lot of it is like, we just don't feel rich. We don't feel like we can give more. And so this series isn't about giving money. It's, all, it's not all about money. Uh, I think you should get your finances in order. And I think that will help you unlock levels of generosity in your life. Um, but this is really about Am I going to put God in the center of my life in all areas of my life? And then am I going to live differently because of that? Now, if you're here and your household makes over uh, $70,000, okay, this is numbers as of 2021. It said in 2021, the average, average American household made at least $70,700. So if your household is at $70,000 or more, and so if you have two working people in your house, the average income at Oahu County is about $34,000, $35,000. That'll put you at $70,000. Hey, let me give you a little truth bomb here. If you make over $70,000 in your household, you are in the top 6% of the richest people in the entire world. Bam. Don't you feel so rich right now? You're like, yo, we're rich. Like we got like rich people, top 6% in the entire world. Well, how do you figure that? Well, the average family in the world makes $2,800 a year. $2,800 a year. We don't feel rich, but when you compare yourself to the entire world, hey, we are rich people. The problem is this thing called Instagram, <laughs> social media. We see other people's lives and we're like, well, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not, I am not rich. But the reality is we are rich. Uh, a couple of years ago, we went on a missions trip and we took several people from our church down to Honduras. And it is just so hard to go there and come back and then just be ungrateful for things. You look at life completely different. We take a lot of things for granted. Most of us have more than one vehicle and we park them in our houses. <clears throat> I mean, garages. We have houses for our cars, right? And there are people here that have nothing. And I uh, remember like you think through like all the different restaurant options and you're probably already thinking, where are we gonna eat today? And we're gonna be upset if we have to wait more than 10 minutes, right? You think about the kind of issues and problems that we deal with. I remember the first night the storm happened and, and we had a generator, but we just decided, hey, let's not run all night, you know, uh, it's slightly older. So we turned it off at night. And I remember laying there, my wife and I were talking and 
it was one of the first times I had this sense of gratitude that I'm laying down on this like nice like uh, memory foam uh, pillow and I got this really nice like one of those purple mattresses, you know, and it's just like I'm laying there in our house and we've, I'm just thinking through all this stuff and I just thought to myself, wow, you know, uh, the AC won't be blowing tonight, but, but I feel so blessed that my situation right now is thousands of times better than houses that I've been to when I was there in Honduras. You know, I'm laying down this nice bed, and then what did we do? A lot of us this morning, we're going through our closets full of clothes, and we say, I don't have anything to wear. I think uh, the great theologian, Big Papa, said it like this, the more money we come across, the more problems we see. P-I-G-P-O-P, right? Like, uh, we have more money, more problems. And I think as we think about it, we think we're so generous. And the reality is, honestly, if we really looked at it, we're not. You know, in Honduras, these people have nothing. They may have a couple of pairs of clothes to wear just at all. They may eat this week rice and beans, or they may not eat anything at all. There are many people there that are still using outhouses for restrooms. Many of them don't have beds. And if they do, it's just some wood they've put together to make like little slats. <laughs> Honestly, it is difficult to go to other countries and then to come back and to be ungrateful for the things that we already have. And so one of these ideas we're going to talk about is this idea of scarcity versus abundance. And I, and I have a picture for you because it's two different cycles. And um, we are in one of these cycles most of the time. And what happens with people with a scarcity mindset, and this might be you, scarcity means like when you have money, you spend your money that you have, but not only do you spend it, in America, we spend more than what we actually bring in. And when you do that, it's this thing called you don't have enough. You ever get to the end of the month, you're like, man, I just can't wait for the first, right? Or however your paychecks hit, maybe it's every two weeks, you're like, man, I can't wait to get paid next week because the average American's living paycheck to paycheck. And so because we lack, we then fear, hey, what's gonna happen if, uh, you know, hey, I lost my job or, hey, what's gonna happen if, you know, this thing or if we're still out of work or they're laying people off or I'm not getting the overtime that I thought I was gonna get. We begin to fear and it's this cycle that just never ends. We continually consume, we continually lack and then we continually fear what's going on. But then there's this other side, this other cycle called abundance, and it's totally different. Abundance is going to put God first. And so we give generously and then God multiplies that abundantly. And then you find that your faith grows. I don't know how to explain this to you outside of showing you in this way because it doesn't make sense. You don't give because you don't have, but I'm telling you when you give, God multiplies what you do. And if you hold on to what you have, you're gonna constantly be in this scarcity mindset. So my question for you is, which of these two cycles do you want to be in? I think you know the answer. The step is, what are you gonna do to get to the answer or the place you wanna be? I love what it says in 2 Corinthians 9. Paul writes to the Corinthian people there. And 
I love Corinth because they are so much like Americans. Their issues were like our issues, except just a couple thousand years ago. They were extremely wealthy. They had so much, they had abundance. And so their problems were a lot like our problems just back then. And so Paul says this to them, starting in verse seven in chapter nine, he says it this way. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Now, I just want to focus on that one spot there for a second because I think this is important. I think lots of churches have done a bad job, just in general, of pressuring people to give money. And at Cornerstone, that is not something that we want to do to you. We don't ever want you to feel obligated or you give because you're feeling pressure or give reluctantly. We don't ever want you to give you, man, you know, Pastor Dan's really laying it on thick, you know? So I guess, I guess I better give today, right? Man, I just feel lots of pressure. Like, golly, like, why is he talking about this? Let's just give so he would shut up, right? Like, so he won't talk. You should never give reluctantly or in response to pressure. And I love how Paul's saying is like, he's teaching them a concept they'd never heard about. You know, he's talking about tithing, he's talking about giving. So he's like, hey, you just decide in your heart how much you should give and don't ever give reluctantly or in pressure because then he adds this next statement. He says, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Hey, God loves when you actually give cheerfully. So let me tell you something. If you give $100 and you're like being kind of crabby about it, I want you to know in God's economy, it doesn't count. It's like you didn't give anything at all, right? And you could give... $10,000, but if your heart is not in it and you're just giving me because you're like, I feel this right, I have to do this thing, whatever, it doesn't count. But you can give any amount and it's your heart that matters, which again goes to relationship with God. He always cares about your heart, why you're doing what you're doing. He says, God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And then in verse eight, and then God will generously provide all that you need. I love that. So we, we are giving because we're, we're deciding, hey, this is what I want to do. I'm putting God first. I'm going to give. I, I want my heart to be right. And so this is what I can do. And it says, and then when you do that, when your heart is right, it says, then God will pro- generously provide all you need. And then it says this, listen to this. I think this is amazing. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. How many of you have plenty to share with others? Now, when it comes to your gardens, you're like, yes, yes, you can have my tomatoes, right? Like you can have, you can have the squash. I have plenty, right? You want thingamabobs? I got plenty, right? Like, like you can have those things. Little Mermaid, all right. Um, I have that, but do I have plenty left over to share at the end of the month financially? Most of us would say no. But what Paul is saying is when you already decide in your heart, your heart is right, you give with the right response, He's saying God not only provides, he says he generously provides, and then he says, and then you will always, not sometimes, he says you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. In God's economy, giving does not make sense. Like in American culture, like when I spend money, that's it. It doesn't come back in any way unless you're investing in stocks and sometimes not even that. 
right? So if I'm investing, it's like, hey, but sometimes I don't see a return always. But when it comes to God, what he's saying is when you give, and then we're not just talking finance, we're talking about anything that you give. When you give to God, it says he always multiplies it, always. It's not like a question of does he, it's he will, and this is how it works. It's totally different in God's economy, starting and going on in verse 10. It says, for God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. You see, we think we're the, we think we're the source. I go to work. I make money, I get paid, I feed my family. And Paul says, no, it's God. He gave you the ability to work. He's the one that allowed you to have the job. He's the one that allows you to maintain your job, to excel at your job, to get paid at your job, to then take care of your family. It's God, the one that does it. And then when we retrain the way our brains think about stuff, it's like, oh, okay, this is not just me. God gave me these talents to begin with. He's the one that has allowed me to be successful. So he says, God's the one. And then in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. I love that. He says, in every way. This is not just about money. He says in every way. I've heard this said, and if you've been in church a long time or people that have been giving for a long time, it's like, you know, I just feel like, I just feel like this dishwasher runs way longer than it should. I feel like this thing that I have, this car that I have, like it just like, it should not be working anymore. But like my stuff, I believe God does those things. When you honor him and that, it says in every way, he's gonna take care of all of your needs. But this is again where churches, TV preachers are going to take this idea and they're going to twist it to mean something that it doesn't. And that they're going to say is, when you give, it was that, when you give a hundred dollar seed, it's always seed, right? Because it's planting. When you give a hundred dollar seed, now I know I'm flying this big old plane, but when you give to it, God's going to give you back. And you know, it's crazy. Only they are the ones that get richer, right? So this is where churches and pastors, they take things and they twist it to mean something. This is not, this is not a get rich quick scheme. Like, hey, hey, if we give a thousand dollars, God's going to multiply that. So we should definitely do that. And you wake up one day and there's like all this money in your bank account. No, that doesn't happen, Right? Uh, we're not getting stimulus checks anymore. That's a, it doesn't work like that anymore. As God's not to say, it's the same thing. It doesn't happen like that. What we're saying here is when you honor God, he blesses you and he provides for you. He takes care. That's just how it works in God's economy. So there's this concept that you're gonna hear and this could give some people in the room, depending on how you grew up, PTSD, this idea of tithing, maybe because you've heard it in a negative connotation, but tithing breaks the cycle of scarcity and creates a new cycle of supply. Tithing is this idea that we find in scripture of giving 10% back to God. Now, in our culture, we typically apply that to just finances, right? Like I'm gonna give God 10% of my best, which means you get paid 10% immediately goes to God, not to taxes, not to health insurance, not to savings. Like I'm gonna give it to God and then I'm gonna trust him with everything else. 
You go back in the book of Genesis, there's a man named Abraham before the nation of Israel was even formed. And he's the very first person to do this thing called tithing. He gave 10% of everything. I'm talking sheep, goats, money, people, everything he had, he gave 10% to this high priest named Melchizedek. And then when a guy named Moses came around, he establishes the law for Jewish people to follow. Tithing was a principle there. But then you go to the New Testament, Jesus talked about tithing as well. And then people will come along and say, well, you know, there's this idea in the New Testament called grace giving. It's all about grace. Well, if you read the book of Acts, grace giving was when people sold everything they had and brought 100% to the church. (laughs) So I still haven't had anyone that decided like for Cornerstone to take care of them in that way yet, right? Like, hey, pastor, I just wanted you to know. I sold my house, here's all the money, and then we're moving in to where? The church, <laughs> we, we need you to take care of us now. I'm like, all right, I don't think that, all right, <laughs> we're gonna figure that one out, right? So it's completely different. This idea of tithing is constantly found throughout scripture. And I'm telling you, it breaks the cycle of never having enough to abundance, which doesn't make sense because you're talking about 10% less. How does that increase what you have? And in God's economy, that's just how it works. So we're going to look at three quick thoughts on the power of tithing as we talk about uh, tithing today. It's the first idea is that you put God first, right? When, when you tithe, you're putting God first. And we're talking about centering our lives around God. And we say that, but do we mean that in every area? In the book of Deuteronomy, this is Moses. He says this, bring this tithe to the designated place of worship the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. In other words, you're putting God first. So when it comes to your finances, that means, hey, I might have to rearrange some stuff, right? Like some of you are thinking like 10%, like there's no way I could never do that. I have to do this, this, and that. I might have to cancel some subscriptions that I have or whatever. And, And that's exactly what it is. It's rearranging your life so that God's in the center and then we go and do everything else. So is it worth doing? Well, we say God is first, but is he actually first? And I think this is where there's a whole other series we've done before and we'll do in the future on the power of getting rid of debt. I think debt is the one thing that keeps so many of us from wanting to be generous, right? But as you honor God, he will take care of you. Aaron and I, we have had lots of debt. So I don't want to hear people say they can't get out of debt. We've done it. It took us over 10 years and then another three years and we have all our cars and everything paid off. Everything except for our house is paid off. We pay for things in cash and it's totally different. But like when we go on vacation, we pay for it just straight up. That's how we've done it. But it's taken lots of work. But I believe God blessed us and honored us because we always honored God throughout this entire process. We could have got out of debt faster had we not given to God and just gave towards our debt. But I also think today we'd still be in debt. So there's kind of that. So we're putting God first and it was a big change for us. But when we rearranged our lives around God and said, Lord, you truly are first in everything, it changed things for us. Here's the second thought. You build faith. When you tithe, you begin to build faith. Um, This is probably one of my favorite verses in all of scripture because it's the only time God says to test him. Listen to this in Malachi 3. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. Then if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, 
I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. In Scripture, we never test God. Never. But this is the one time God says, test me. Call my bluff. See if I won't. If you want to honor me in this area, find out and just see how living on 90% with my blessing is more than your 100% of you doing it on your own. God says, this is the one area where you can trust me. And abundance starts slowly. You don't have like abundance right away. It starts slowly. And as you begin to build that up, your faith grows. And the more it grows, it begins to compound and then it explodes exponentially. 10% is just the starting point for God. Everything over that is, we call that like, now that's now an offering. Like you're giving over and above. Um, Aaron and I, we don't do it every year. We try to and, you know, things go up or whatever. But we've gotten to the place now where we give about 13%. So it's just that working, like, all right, we can do a little bit more here. And my life goal, like I think, and obviously I have to be older, have no kids in the house, have things paid off. But my life goal, it's just personal. I don't know if it'll ever happen. I would love to get to the spot where I live on like what I call the reverse tithe, to live on 10% and to give away 90% of what we bring in. That would be amazing. Maybe I need to write a book or something, right? Like to be able to, to do that. Uh, what book would they read? I don't know, I have to like help me with some thoughts on that. Um, and so if I could ever get to that spot, but that's just mindset. That's like a goal, I may never get there. But like how amazing would it be? Like just imagine if you gave away 90% of what you which you brought in every, every month. Imagine what you could do, the lives you can impact and change. Like that would just be amazing, but it totally centers things around God. Uh, the first year Cornerstone was a church, even before we, had, we hadn't even publicly like launched yet. As a matter of fact, it was very similar to like our church sign. We didn't even have a church sign, all right? So like if you go out there, we don't even have a church sign. And it's hilarious because people are like, are you changing your name? Like, we're just, we're waiting on a sign. We're working it out, right? A sign is coming. Here's your sign, then you'll know, all right? Uh, but but uh, rewind the tape nine years ago before we had launched as a church. Our, our church had a big decision to make. We always wanted missions to be a part of who we were as a church. We wanted missions to play a large role. And so there was another church that had closed its doors and Cornerstone assumed all of the missionaries that they were, that they were supporting. We just took them on and said, hey, we'll take them on. But then here was the problem. We didn't know how we were gonna pay them. And so we had to make a choice. All right, we got these missionaries you know, and they're relying on the support. This church closes doors. We said we would do it. And now we have to choose. Do we support these missionaries or do we like take care of like the needs of our church? We're a brand new church. It's small. So we decided we would all go on vacation instead, right? That's what we did. We split the money up and we're like, all right, if we go to Georgia, buy enough lottery tickets. No, no. What we did was we said, all right, we're just going to support these missionaries and we're going to trust God. If we want to care about missions, then let's trust God and just know that he'll take care of it. And so we supported all the missionaries that we didn't ask for, that we didn't take on, that we assumed and said, God, we trust you. And we supported all those missionaries at the same amount they were used to. And you know what? It was July. So nine years ago, we ended with a zero balance. It wasn't positive. It wasn't negative. It was zero. I'm like, hey, that's good. We can work with that. 
And we've been building towards that ever since. God has always honored this church because of the generosity of people. And that's awesome. And so we have always put God first. As a matter of fact, to this day, we still uh, designate 10% of our budget to missions. Did you know that's not like a mandate in scripture? We just do that because we want to be a church that gives back and reaches people. And we've continued to do that to this day. And I believe God honored our church for trusting him in this area that was honestly very difficult to do. Very easy to say, you know, hey, as businessmen, you know, this doesn't make sense. And we said, no, we're just going to trust that God will do it. And he took care of everything. Here's the third thought. You provide for God's work. When you tithe, you actually provide for God's work. Look at the first part of Malachi 3. It says, bring all the tithes where into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. Now, this is important to understand that if Cornerstone's your home, okay, and you're saying, hey, this is where we center our lives. This is like our church family. This is where we go. This is where we serve. This is what we want to be a part of. Then we're, we're talking to you, all right? If you're just checking us out, this doesn't apply to you. Uh, but if for people that call Cornerstone home, what this scripture teaches here is that, hey, we bring our tithe to our local church that we're a part of. You know, some people have different thoughts on that. Like, well, I give to this and I give to that. That's great, but that's actually not biblical. The biblical way to look at it is, hey, I want to honor God, and so I bring it to the church. And then anything I want to do over and above that, hey, I can handle that and give to other places, right? God has called us right here in the middle of downtown Gadsden in Etowah County. He's called us to reach our people here. And when we give, it allows us to reach people. And let me share this with you. This is uh, so many lives have been changed uh, just through this one church. And we're not talking about all the other churches. There are other churches doing amazing things. I just want to focus on us for a second. So far this year, this is 2023. We're only seven months in. Um, we have already seen that we know of 268 first-time guests. That means 268 people that have never come to our church before showed up and they filled out a connection card. 268 of these. Um, First-time guests. We know of 25 people that have put their faith and trust in Jesus through our services. We know of 39 people have taken the next step in baptism. And I think... Um, it was like 30 of those have been in the last three months and we'll have another baptism service uh, next month. That's just in seven months. So what I'm telling you is when we see lives change and you give to this church, I want you to know that you are the reason why that happens. You are gonna get credit for that. One day you're gonna stand before God and he's gonna say, well done. Look at what your giving did. Hey, I saw that month when it was difficult and you made a choice, but you still put me first. And I want you to know that this person or these people or this group of people, they're in heaven today because you chose to put me first. So this is your fruit. When we reach missionaries all around the world and I hear their stories of like countless, um, like I think of Alan and Ruth McClellan, they're, they're uh, missionaries in Indonesia and they coach pastors. And, and we did this thing called Ruth's Shoes. Because of your generosity, we have seen thousands and thousands and thousands of pairs of shoes go into villages and in islands in 100% Muslim islands in Indonesia where the gospel has never been heard in their entire life. People have brought shoes, put them on. We have literally put shoes on 
on literally entire islands. And people heard the gospel for the very first time and Muslims who would never hear the truth of God's word put their faith and trust in Christ. And guess what? One day, you are gonna get credit for that. That was because of you, because you gave. So I want you to see this graphic again. You're gonna see it a lot in these next couple of weeks. Scarcity and abundance. It doesn't make sense, but you know what scarcity is like. And so what I'm just telling you is, hey, try something different. Try something new. So here's what I'm doing. I I normally do this uh, at least once a year. And I think this one thing here uh, could truly change your life. We're going to call it uh, a 90-day giving challenge. God says to test them. So, hey, test them. Here's what it means. If you're here and you don't give anything at all, I'm going to challenge you like it says in Corinthians, give something. Hey, decide in your heart, give something, whatever that is. Like, hey, you know what? Every month, every two weeks, whatever, this is what we're going to do. I can do $5. I can do $10. I can do $100, whatever. You just give something. Maybe you're here and you already give something. You're like, hey, I do that already. Figure out a percentage of your income, 3%. You'll be surprised at how little that is. Whatever. Hey, I'm going to give that. If you already do that, you know, you're like, hey, I give $100 every week or whatever. Figure out what that percentage is and just bump it up by 1%. Because I get you, like, you just can't take the step. But if you're here and these next two things down there, number four, maybe you say, you know what, we're just going to trust God and I'm going to just, we're going to just start giving 10% of our income. Or maybe you say, you know, we tithe and like, maybe we want to take that challenge just to add one, maybe let's go to 11%. I I want you to sign up on a connection card because I want to send you a gift. Just write giving challenge or 90 day challenge, whatever. Just on a connection card, write this because this week I'm going to, Send you a gift in the mail. I want to encourage you. I'm going to write you a letter. I want to encourage you. Now, I always say this as well. If you think, because you're like, this is like hook, line, and sinker. This is where the pastor fishes for money for the church after he said he wasn't. This is no ploy. I'm telling you, I believe in abundance mindset so much that I believe it will be true no matter where you give your money to whatever church. So on your way home, you're like, Pastor Dan's just trying to get more money for Cornerstone. It is not that. You can pick, we got four churches right around here and you got probably countless others you'll pass on your way home. There are probably lots of them that are struggling. Pick a church and you give your money there, but you keep coming here. Your kids, they're gonna continue to grow. Like we have, I believe, the best or one of the best for sure children's ministries in all of Etowah County. I think you're gonna grow in your marriage. I think you're gonna grow in your walk personally. I believe God is gonna work in your heart here. You keep attending here, but you give your money somewhere else for 90 days. Just try it. God says, test him, test him and see. And if after 90 days, you're like, this was a bunch of garbage. Like I did it and nothing happened and that was a joke. Then listen, as a pastor, I'm telling you, you don't have to give anymore. Don't do it because it's not about me anyways. It's about between you and God. If you do that, sign up on the connection because I want to encourage you because there have been countless people in our church who took that step and I always get the messages. Hey, Pastor Dan, so I did the giving challenge and I'm like, here it comes. They're going to tell me I'm full of garbage. They're going to tell me like this was a joke. And I hear and read some of the most amazing stories of God's provision because in God's economy, It does not make sense, but that's what true generosity is. So in your heart, you might think you're truly generous, but your bank statement 
says something else. So the question is, are you truly generous? Hey, let's pray.